Good morning, everybody. Okay. Just need to say to Alan that uh, I have a word from Craig that he is not uh, happy that he has not been asked to come and preach here. Um, he said that you mentioned it a couple of times that you're going to welcome him, and when he heard that I was given the opportunity, he wasn't he wasn't too happy about that. So uh, I just thought I'll tell you. So when you see him at Retrofeed, he's not going to be a happy Retrofeeder. <laughs> it's good to be here this morning in the house of the Lord and the people of Hillcrest. And uh, how this came about is, it was very funny, uh, is that we came to the conference and um, Dave asked me to be one of the speakers on Friday. And then we had a great time. The Lord visited us in a, in a big way uh, with the words that went out, Matt and, 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 and uh, Caleb and, and uh, Lindiwe and um, Steve and... and and uh, Dave himself uh, ministering to us. It was just absolutely amazing how God met us and, and spoke to us and challenged us as leaders. And after the service, Alan just came walking over to me. And uh, I was, we had to sign up for different churches where we were going to go to. And so I phoned Gavin about a month ago and I said, I would like to come to Chatsworth. My, my wife has been, she hasn't been to Durban yet. And then, uh, and, and I said, okay, I would like to visit your church. And then he came walking over to me and he says, wouldn't you like to come and preach for us on Sunday? And I thought, oh my God, I wanted to receive and I wanted to rest and so on. But then the Holy Spirit instinctively, I could actually still see it, instinctively, me, instinctively said to me, say yes. And then I said, yes, I would love to come. And then I spoke to Yvette and we're still going to go to Chatsworth and eat the curry and so on. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, but God said to me, I must come here this morning. And as I came in here this morning, I was sitting and I was, well, I was deceived. I'm Afrikaans speaking, by the way. I just need to, to uh, is that okay? So uh, my English is not that bad. Uh, my wife is English speaking. I'm Afrikaans speaking. And so I think Afrikaans and I speak English. Okay, so you, 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 you with me? All right. And so, yeah. And um, so as I came in this morning, I, I, we were worshiping and I said, Lord, what is it that you want to do here today? And, and then I, I wrote down these things, and this is what I, I sense God is for the churches. The Lord says that the Creator God is living inside of us. And He wants us, the Creator God who created the heavens and the earth is living inside of us, and God wants us to think creatively. He wants this church to think creatively. That's the one thing. He says, tell the church to think outside of the box. That's just the word I receive. There's a, there's a yes to that. Amen. Then as I was standing, I was thinking, what is that God wants to do with the church? And then this line came to me. I don't know what it is that God wants to do with this church, but I love it. <laughs> that, 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 I wrote that down. I don't know what it is that God is going to do with you, but I love it. Can't you just adopt that attitude for the rest of the year? I don't know what God is about to do in this, but I love it. That's the one thing. Then as we were driving here, I, we had the, the um, what do you call it? The GPS. And I had absolutely no clue where I was going to. I was just listening to Siri. <laughs> absolutely no clue. I just drove, she said, 500 meters, turn left. 300 meters, turn left. And I just did exactly what she said. And here I am. 
And it was as if God is telling us that God wants us to have a total dependency on him. There must be an absolute total dependency on the Holy Spirit. God is calling us to totally depend on him. And then, as we were challenged by Dave, that God is calling us from a network to become a movement. Not that there's anything wrong by networking, but God has called the church to be, God is calling us as a movement, as a a vineyard family, and as the church of Jesus Christ to become a movement. And I'm just sensing that God is saying to this church, and I'm getting this sense of a baby, babies being born. Now for those who know about that, babies bring joy to the home. They bring a buzz to the home that is quite unique. There's law, there's crying, there's, there's chaos. There's a lot of things that happens when babies are born. I believe that God wants to birth new babies in this church. And it's going to be a buzz. It's going to be different. It's going to be beautiful. I don't know how it looks like, but I love it. Is that, is that, does it make sense? So God is saying that God is calling us on a mission with him. We are on a mission with him. And if you are not going to move and become a movement for God, you might just turn into a monument. God says, it's either you're going to become a movement for me or you're going to become a monument for me. And so that's the choice that you have today. And then this is what I wrote down. Someone suffering from chronic depression. God wants to heal you today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask the person. I don't know if the person is in this group, in the church, but I wrote this down. Chronic depression. And you're on medication currently, and God wants to actually set you free from chronic depression. Right, that, that is just what I wrote down, so now I can preach. <laughs> All right, it's good to be here. Uh, when I was at Bible school, I was, uh, my father was a pastor for 40 years in the Church of the Nazarene, so I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's kid, and uh, we have three children, uh, Timothy uh, is 26, Amy Lee is 24, and then Nicholas, our youngest son, uh, who's currently in London, uh, he's a model. I don't know where he got his looks from, but it's definitely not from me. But he is modeling, so there's his mother. Mother, She can take the credit for that. I'll just settle for the jawbone, but the rest is everything is, 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 is Yvette's. Okay? All right. Uh, um, so those are three kids. And so I, for the, I, I mean, we're in ministry for 29 years now, Yvette and I, uh, with the Nazarene church couple with the, with the vineyard. And all the years in the church, I refused, my, I refused to, to have my children play with church, children's, the, the, the children of the church. I kept them away from the children of the church because that's how they get influenced. And so as a PK, uh, I, I did that. But we have lovely children. They're serving the Lord. They're involving the church. They're in the worship. Amy is a worship leader. Timothy helps us with the admin. And they, Tim, Nicholas is in the youth. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing uh, to see our children uh, grow up and to be fine young men and young ladies for God and actually serving in the church. I think there's nothing more satisfying for a parent when you see your children actually being involved in the church and in the kingdom of God. So we are very grateful uh, for that as well. So when I was at Bible school, our homiletics lecturer used to tell us when you preach, there's four S's, I think, 
that you need to apply. You stand up, you speak up. You first, you stand up and you speak up, and then you sit down and you shut up. All right? Those are the four S's. So I'm going to try and do that today. I, I am really standing. I'm going to speak up now, and I'm going to sit down later, and then I'm going to shut up and just allow God to move. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Reading from verse 9 to the end of the chapter. It's the NIV will be on there for you, but I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. So when Alan asked me to preach, and, um, and, and because I didn't prepare anything to preach, and I'm not going to preach the same sermon that I preached at the conference, and it wouldn't be fair on those who are listening here today to hear that sermon again. Um, so I said, Lord, now give me the word. And then I was going to preach on Matthew 24, and I just had this idea of feeding of the 5,000. And, and, and the, the, the wonderful thought that came to mind of the feeding of the 5,000 was that when the disciples wanted to chase the people away, about 15,000 people, uh, Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And next time when I come back, I'll preach that word. God is saying to you, don't chase the people away, give them something to eat. You have something that they need. Don't chase the people away. But, but that's, that's a sermon for another day. Um, then the Lord said to me, preach Romans chapter 12 from verse 9 to verse the end of the chapter. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise what is evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. The NIV says, where is it? Oh, there's a problem. Okay, that's no, fine. He says, he says, cling to that which is good. He says, in the, in the NIV, it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. This Bible says, this translation says, let the inner movement of your hearts always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of honoring and loving one another be enthusiastic when you serve the lord keep your passion to him Toward him boiling hot. Radiate the glow of the Holy Spirit. And let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Isn't that beautiful? We must serve the Lord with gladness. We must serve the Lord with excitement. Some people serve the Lord as if they swallowed uh, a number of sour lemons. They don't. They don't. In our church, there's one particular lady, when I, when I, I, I gauge a mood by her face. So when I see she comes in, I know, no, no, today I must steer clear from this lady. I'm just, uh, and then this, this, oh, no, this, this morning I can go give her a hug and so on. The Bible says that we must serve the Lord with gladness. We must serve the Lord with excitement. Amen? Have you still got the excitement in you? Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble. 
but commune with all with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate. The Bible says, be happy with those who are happy and mourn with those who are mourned and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be mindful of one another's worth as you are of your own. The Bible says, don't think of yourself in Romans chapter 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think in terms of sober judgment. Yeah, he says in this passage, he says, he says that we must, he says it's important that you are mindful of one another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking that you are too important to serve others. But be willing to do the menial task and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be a smug and even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the non-blessed ways to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, Give him a lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience. And God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that the word today, it's my prayer today that the seed of the word will fall on good ground. And that your Holy Spirit will germinate and and feed it lord so that we can grow thereby if so be the bible says you know that the lord is good father we pray that you will give us open ears open hearts receptive hearts receptive ears to say lord speak to me come now lord bless your word to all of our hearts we ask this in jesus name and for your sake amen now, the Apostle Paul writes the book of Romans, and Romans has many theological themes in it. There are many theological themes in this book, and it's also a, a practical guide uh, into everyday living. So when Paul writes this book, he, the first six, seven chapters of the book of Romans, Paul just gives us bad news. He just tells us how bad we are. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God has given you over to a reprobate mind. And it's just bad news. He tells us how bad we are. And he, des he describes how broken our world is. People, we are living in a broken world. We are living in a broken, fragmented society. And so Paul writes this book and he tells us that we all are sinners and we're under the wrath of God. And in our own strength, we are helpless and we cannot help ourselves. That's what he writes about. But there's good news. There's good news also. And the good news of Romans is the following. Is that God has seen us at our worst. And he still loves us. 
That's the good news of Romans. That God has seen us at our worst. The Bible says, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that beautiful that God sees us at our worst and he still loves us and he gives us freedom and wholeness is at our disposal. That's the book of Romans in a nutshell. And so what he does in chapter 12 is he gives us the strategy for an effective church. What is the strategy for an effective church? The strategy for an effective church is not programs. The strategy for an effective church is not having a smooth running programs and everything must be smooth. The, the, the effective strategy for a church to be effective is, is that they must love one another. That's the strategy. You see, the early church, when the people looked at the early church, the first thing that that they were marveled at, the first thing that attracted people to the early church in Jerusalem was, the Bible says they said to each other, see how they love one another. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And by... And by that, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have good programs. No, if you love one another. That's the strategy for an effective church. God is calling Sarepta Church to love one another deeply. We can have our differences, but they must not be divisions. We must love each other deeply. That is the strategy. That is what God is calling the church to. To be an effective church is we must live in loving relationships with one another. In other words, God is calling us to a life of involvement. We must get involved in each other's lives. God hasn't called you into isolation. God has called us into involvement. The church is not a place for isolation. No man is an island. I come to church, I receive a good word. Oh, the worship was beautiful. Oh, Alan stirred the, he, he stirred my heart this morning. Oh, in Afrikaans, he was so lekker. Was die waters nie vir ochend geroer nie. Oh, it was so beautiful. Oh, Alan, you brought a timely message this morning. And then we go home and we do nothing for the rest of the week. We're not involved in each other's lives. You're not in a life group. You don't, you're not giving your, your, the gifting and what God has given you is not used for his kingdom. And next week and Sunday, we just sit and we receive again and we become fat Christians. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> speak for yourself, Ricky. <laughs> But you know what, talking about fat. <laughs> God is actually looking for fat Christians. People who are faithful, people who are available, and people who are teachable. Now that I'm thinking about it. And so it's a, it's a call to an involvement. And so what is the goal of the church? The, the task of the church is in this task-orientated world, in this get-the-job-done world that we and culture that we are living in, the, the, the purpose and the task of the church is not to achieve goals or programs. The task and the main priority of the church is to glorify God and to change the lives of people. 
That's the supreme task of any church, is to glorify God and to change the lives of people. God has called Sarepta to change the lives of people. And how do we do it? We do that by getting involved in each other's lives. He says, let your love be sincere. He says, let the inner movements of your heart always be to love one another. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He says, get involved. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. He says, show hospitality to one another. That's the church. The world does not do that. The world does not do that. The world is all about me. The world is all about my family. The world is all about us four and no more. The world is all about giving and getting and getting and accumulating. No, in the church, the kingdom is not about accumulating. The kingdom is about giving away. And in giving away, you receive more. It's in the giving of yourself. It's in the giving of your gifts. It's in the giving of our talents. It's in the giving of our time and our money and what we have. It's giving as you give, you get. The world is different. The world is, give me, give me, give me, give me. Jesus says in the kingdom of God, it works differently. We give. We get involved in each other's lives. People and not programs. Not planning is the most important thing in the body of Christ. And so we live in this fragmented society, in a broken, self-centered world. And what is the result of this fragmentation is that people are becoming more lonely and more isolated. We are living in a world with all the social gadgets and with face, I always said Facebook, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp, and with all the stuff we have at our disposal. People are talking about, I'm having so many friends, 2,000 friends, and yet they are lonely and isolated. And the church of Jesus Christ has the answer to the isolation and the fragmentation of this society by living lives of involvement. We are called by God to a more deep, and more radical and more involved lifestyle that's less superficial, a lifestyle in the body of Christ. He says, love must be sincere. When Paul wrote this letter, the word sincere, the opposite of the word sincere is what? It's to be false. That's right. It's hypocrisy. That's the word, I'm a hypocrite. And so what Paul had in mind was when he wrote this, he says, let your love be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to that which is good, and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. And when Paul wrote this book, he had the Greek theater in mind. And so in the Greek theater, only men were actors. There were no women actors, no females, and no children. And so men would do all the acting. And so if he had to portray a role of a woman, he would put on a, a, a dress and a mask that would depict that of a woman. If there had to be a clown, they would have a red nose and a mask that would depict that of a clown. If they had to act like children, they would have their mask that would depict that of a child. And so Paul says, if your love is sincere, it means that you rid yourself of the, of the mask, of the pretense. In the church of Jesus Christ, 
I think the best actors are in the church of Jesus Christ. I think, I think we, we, we've got the best actors in the church of Jesus Christ. We are all actors. We're pretending what we're not. We're projecting images of what we're not. And so every Sunday we come with a different mask. It's my holy mask. And deep down inside there's brokenness and hurt and pain. The church is a place where we drop our mask. And we become vulnerable so that people can minister into our lives and you minister to others. That is a lifestyle of involvement. Where I don't come here because I'm the pastor and you think I've got everything together. And deep down inside there's pain, there's a lot of stuff. God wants us to drop the God. And to be ourselves. And so that in your life groups, that over time, people can minister to you. You can actually have the confidence to say, I want you to know it's not going well with me. And people come around and they love you. And they pray for you. And they support you. That's why the early church, the Bible says, had no need. There was no need. Whenever a need arose in the early church, they would get together and they would do something. Lifestyle of involvement. Not a lifestyle of isolation. Get involved. Be committed. Become aware of one another's needs. Commit to care for one another. Commit to serve. Be willing to serve. Be faithful in your praying. Ready to honor one another. In, in, the word honor means to carry one another in high regard. I, when you make your vows, you say, I honor and respect you. It means that I carry you in high regard. That is what we must do to one another. We must carry one another in high regard. That's my brother in Christ. That's my sister in Christ. I honor you above myself. Paul says the eye must die. Ik hou van Afrikaans, die ek moet vrek. <laughs> Afrikaans is so lekker wat eerlijkheid. <laughs> Paul says it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. And this life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He says, I, John says, I must decrease and he must increase we must die to our self-centeredness we must die to this of the eye the eye must become small and christ must become big in us and when he becomes big in us then we live lives of involvement are you with me <laughs> do we find this in the world this kind of lifestyle no it's everyone for himself this kind of relationship doesn't happen just by coming to church Sunday after Sunday. No, this kind of lifestyle starts when you and I become real and vulnerable with one another. It becomes, it starts when we are truly free to be ourselves. You don't have to act here, just be yourself. Don't play act in the house of the Lord. Don't project an image in the cell group, in the life group that is not. 
We must have our devotion. We must have our quiet time. We must have our spiritual disciplines. It's, it's necessary. It's essential. We must have it. It's important. But don't portray that you are so spiritual because you pray every day. Because you, you, it's like you have this, this unique, you, you, you're the only one that has this thingy with God and no one else has it. And you know what happens is when we portray that we are so spiritual and we portray that we have everything together, then what it does is other people that look at you, they actually look at you and say, you know what, it's so impossible to, 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 to maintain and to get to this place where this person is. And we make it difficult for other people. Just be yourself in serving God. When things are not going well, confess it. If you've sinned, say to the group, hey guys, this was a difficult week. Oh gosh, I just need you to pray for me. And this thing happens effectively in live groups. You have live groups, Alan? Good. What does it mean by becoming vulnerable? It means that we keep confidence. In other words, when something happens and someone confides in you, don't look surprised. And don't, when they leave, get on the phone and tell all the others, you won't believe this. I couldn't believe it. Alan was just here by me. And you won't believe what Alan just confessed to me. And here I thought that Alan had everything together. This kind of lifestyle calls for confidence. Keeping, keeping confidence. He said it to me, I keep it to myself, and I'm going to pray for him. What happens in our life group, people confess, people drop the God. We, we, it stays there, it remains there. You keep confidence. Otherwise, this thing, I've seen how this thing can damage and break up churches. Not keeping confidence. How does this lifestyle work out? We do it by checking up on each other's spiritual development and growth. In other words, we become accountable to one another. We become accountable to one another. In other words, we start asking the tough questions. What are you reading? How's your prayer life? How's your marriage? How's your kids? What are you, what are you struggling with? Are we accountable to one another in the body of Christ? How does this look like? We open our lives to each other in our cell groups, in our life groups, in our Bible study groups, in our men's fellowships, in our ladies' fellowships. When you become vulnerable and you become involved, it means that I want you to see me who I really am. With my hurts, with my faults, with my shortcomings, with my struggles, with my failures, with my brokenness, with my sin. And you're holding each other accountable in growing together. That is becoming accountable. You see me for who I am. My shortcomings, my faults, my sins, my failures, my weaknesses, my strengths. And this is who I am and I still love you. That's the body of Christ. And if we can live like that, if we can live like that, we're going to attract the world to Jesus. Because you see, the world is yearning for this kind of genuineness. They're yearning for this. For real. The church is 
all about being real. I'm reading a book currently by Stanley, uh, uh, what's his name? Stanley, Stanley, surname is Stanley, Andy Stanley. It's called Going uh, uh, Deep and Wide. If you have money, buy yourself that book, Deep and Wide. Deep and Wide by, by uh, um, Andy Stanley. He talks about the church, and he says the church is a place of mess. <laughs> he says, but it's a good mess. It's all about messiness. It's all about us coming with our sins and our shortcomings and our failures. And we come here Sunday after Sunday and we come with our mess. And you come as you are, but you leave as he is. (laughs) We come as we are, but we leave as he is. Because that is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of transformation. It's a kingdom of change. And as we live in involvement, as we drop our gods, as we become vulnerable one with one another, God's Holy Spirit does something in us. And we become more and more like him. We are accountable to one another, not in a legalistic way. But caring for one another, building each other up. We need one another. We need one another. And so all of us, friends, this morning, we dance at the edge of defection. In other words, we all have a tendency, there's a danger in all of our lives that we lure to the, to the side of defection, of sin, and stuff of this world, and self-centeredness. And, we, and so that is why I need you to help me to be accountable so that you can help me to stay on the straight and narrow. That's the church. That's the church. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should what? Restore him gently. Not when your brother is down. It serves him right. I thought he was so spiritual. The Bible says if your brother is caught in sin, you who are mature must restore him back. Gently, not in a legalistic way, not with condemnation. No, we restore one another gently. You see, the problem is with me and you is when we put on our guards and we hide behind our make-believes and our facades, the problem is they say if you hide, it hurts. There are many people that are walking with their facades and their make-believes. You know why? They don't want to drop their God because they actually want to cuddle the problem. You know, there's some people that don't love, they want problems. They love problems. They love conflict. They get worried if there's no problems. There are such people in this world. And so what happens is they live behind this hurt and they hide behind this, this hurt. And if you hide behind your hurt, it's going to destroy you. And so as I come to a close, how do we do this thing? Where do we find this type of people? How can I find this type of people that lives life of involvement and, and vulnerability? Number one, look for people who exemplify crisis, love, and acceptance. Look for people who exemplify crisis, love, and crisis acceptance. The church is about love and acceptance and forgiveness. That's the body of Christ. 
We love each other. We accept one another and we forgive one another. So if you are looking for people, look for people who exemplify this. Secondly, look for people with integrity. What you see is what you get. Look for people who are godly, who loves God and wants to be more like Him. Don't look for perfect people. Don't look for flawless people. You're not going to find them in the body of Christ. Look for people with sins and faults and shortcomings and strengths and weaknesses. And then the last thing, when you look for these people, before you want to look for these people, you must actually become this person. That is the main thing. In order to find these type of people that I spoke to you about, you and I must first become this person. Vulnerable. Look for people who stumble now and then, but have a genuine heart for God and who want to use their mistakes to be more like Christ. And so in order to find these people, we must become like these people. A person of unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness. A student of God's word. A desire to be more like Christ. In the book of Samuel, we read of John and, and Jonathan. They were very close friends. And Jonathan's father, Saul, was pursuing uh, David. And so David ended up in a place called Horeb. It was a desert place. He ended up there. The Bible says, and this is what the Bible says. I like what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16. Listen to this. And Jonathan ran, traveled to Horish to encourage David in the Lord and to help him find strength. I believe that God wants to raise up Jonathans in this church that will pursue people to help them when they are weak, when they are vulnerable, and to help them find their strength in the Lord again. Wouldn't it be nice if we can have Jonathans in the church? That pursue you with love <laughs> and not condemnation and hate and criticism, but with love. God is calling the church. He's calling you. He's calling me into this exciting new lifestyle, a lifestyle of love. Isn't it good to know that when I fall, I fall in the arms of love? Isn't it good to know that when I stumble, and I trip up now and then, and I make my mistakes. I'm surrounded with people that's going to love me. That's going to care for me. And so that is the lifestyle that God is calling the Hillcrest Church to. It's a lifestyle of involvement. Get involved in each other's lives. Love deeply from the heart. Be sincere in what you do for one another. When someone weeps, the entire church weeps. When someone rejoices, we all rejoice. We become people of hospitality. That's what we are. So may God richly bless you. Shall we stand? I'm going to ask the worship team to come and we're going to sing that song again. Isn't he wonderful? One of my favorite songs. And we're going to do that song. And then when I, I thought I'm going to do the ministry time. We're going to just spend a few minutes and just, let's just wait on the Lord and, and just allow God to, to minister to us.
There are people in this church with, with needs. Financial needs, material needs, physical needs. But you see, if we don't live lifestyles of involvement, then we become oblivious to these needs. Then we don't really know what's happening in the body of Christ. We all come and we smile and we put up a front and, it's, and we go home and there's pain, there's hurt. Some people in your church might even go home this, this afternoon now after the service and there, there's no food on the table. But they're in your cell group. They're in your church. And you don't even know that. We only come to know that when we get involved in each other's lives. Then you know the need and you discover the stuff. And those who, are, who have need, you must become vulnerable and you must make, the Bible says, make your request known <laughs> to God and to your brothers and your sisters. That's the other thing. How do I know you have a need if you're not going to tell me? You see, I'm not psychic. You must tell me. But as we grow in this thing, as we develop in this thing, especially in our life groups, we, 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 we become vulnerable and over time, it doesn't happen overnight. This kind of lifestyle doesn't happen overnight. No, 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 no. I just don't come in and open myself up and say, that, no, no, no. It happens over time where I feel comfortable enough to let my God drop with these group of people that God has entrusted in my life. And so... I believe God is calling this church to a lifestyle of involvement. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to call all the cell leaders, all the life group leaders. Would you come and just stand in front? All the life group leaders. Would you come? Would you come? And then you face the audience. All the life group leaders. How many are there? Someone's on holiday. Right, good. We, you can do this next week. You practice this with them. All the life group leaders. Here they are. All right. All right. So if you belong to, what's your name? Amanda. Amanda, of you come to us? Is she Afrikaans? Yes, she speaks a bit of Afrikaans. Is she Afrikaans? Oh, she is all Afrikaans. Prachtig. All right. So if, if, if you are in this life group, or in that life group, or in that life group, would you go stand with your leader? And if you're not in a life group, shame on you. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Alles, alles wegle. Only from London, yeah. Our group is almost wegle. Alles here, near us. We'll be London, yes. But if you are here and you identify with one of these groups, would you come and stand with them? All right. That's good. Let's do it that way first. Your group is on holiday. Yeah. Am I right? Right. There's some people. All right. Now. That's good. Alright, so for the rest of us, for the rest of us, would you go and just go to a group where you feel you want to just go stand and pray with? Would you, is this one group or two groups? One group, two groups. Will you stand that way, that side? Stand on the far left, far left. And then that group just stands on the far right and one group here. And then you come in, maybe you don't belong to this group. Alright, and for the rest of you, I think, pray about it. If you're not involved in a life group, I would encourage you to become involved in the life group whenever it is on Tuesday or Wednesday. Go to Alan and say, listen, this is where I stay. This is my geographical area. I would like to become part of where, where can I go? Where can I go? And then you go there and you become part of that group and you start to live a lifestyle of involvement and you give yourself to the rest of the body of church. We cannot live in isolation. We live in involvement. 
we live in involvement and so and so god is calling us to a lifestyle of involvement so let's let's just just wait on the lord and 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 i'm we're going to pray for these groups and for those who are on holiday when they come back uh in the week you can you can talk about this message and and break it down and i, I will send alan a few questions uh and then the questions you can do in your lifestyle groups uh it's very personal questions about about the message and you can start uh, living this and talking about it but i just want to pray for these groups that god will bless you that god will come and visit you whenever you meet that you will get involved in each other's lives and i pray for the rest of the body of christ that god will just bless you god has given you gifts and so why don't you give it to the church give it say i want to put myself at your disposal lord i want to be used of you I want to drop my God. I'm sick and tired of living this life of isolation. I want to become part of this body. I want to make it happen for you. I want to make it happen for you. Young people, God is calling you. The teeming masses of society out there are hungry for God. God has given you something and I believe God is on you today, young people. God is calling you. God is calling you. God is calling you to go out there and make it happen for him. at your workplaces at the varsities at the schools at the technicons god is calling you out of isolation into a lifestyle of involvement to be the salt and the light for him come holy spirit come holy spirit let your power come let your power come and so for that person that is suffering from chronic depression alan and myself after the service we're going to just stay behind for a few moments because i believe that is something that is that is kind of lord said to me do that different thing And so after the church I will stay here for a few minutes with Alan and you can come if you're suffering from chronic depression I believe that God wants to set you free and often it's the stuff that we hide that causes the hurts and God wants to rid you of the facade God wants to rid you of the make believe and he says I want to give you deliverance I want to give you freedom come holy spirit come and so what I want like you to do is in your groups would you pray for your cell leader first of all Just lay hands on your cell leader and say, Lord, we bless you for this leader. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to hold his or her hands up high. Pray that prayer for your cell leader, and then you start praying for one another in that group, and then you start praying for one another in that group. If you are standing, would you just pray in your own way, in the quietness of your heart, and just just let your your guard drop. Say Lord this lifestyle is tiring. Let me tell you something. To live like that is very tiring because every week you must have a different mask. Play acting is not easy. It's tiring. It's difficult. God wants to rid you of that because he wants to give you a sense of freedom. So say Lord I'm dropping it today. I'm trusting you for freedom. Lord I bring you my pain. I bring you my hurts. I bring you my disappointments. I bring you my vulnerability, Lord. This is who I am. Use me as I am. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Set us free this morning. Set us free. Set us free. Isn't he wonderful?